I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Work Happy, the new podcast all about workplace happiness brought to you by WorkLife with me, journalist Angelica Malin. This season, we're going on a journey to dig deep into the secrets of workplace happiness with advice from experts, entrepreneurs, and coaches in the field. Max Henderson is the co-founder of Hot Pod Yoga, an international yoga franchising business which launched in 2012. With over 50 sites around the world, it's grown into Europe's largest yoga business. His disruptive approach to the traditional yoga studio has propelled Hot Pod to the forefront of the wellness industry, with tens of thousands of customers under their belt. Max Henderson, thank you so much for joining me. Can you tell me a little bit about your work and your company? Yes, I can. Um, so I run a business called Hot Pod Yoga. Um, we are Europe's largest yoga business. Um, we launched in 2013. I launched it with my co-founder, Nick, um, and we've grown now. We've got 68 sites spread over eight countries. Um, and the core of what we do is we, we've taken yoga, which has been around for a very long time, and we've kind of just turned up the dials a little bit. And so we run them in, we run classes in these beautiful kind of immersive spaces that are, we call them pods. They're inflatable studios that hold 20 to 26 people. Um, and they're, they're, they're the perfect yoga environment. So they're heated. Um, which aids the sort of physical exertion, but they're also this space that beautifully kind of cuts you off from the outside world. And so that's what we do. How did you get into this work? What was your journey? So I was a management consultant um, and I, I enjoyed life as a management consultant, but always kind of had an entrepreneurial kind of itch and always wanted to do something entrepreneurial. And then um, Nick, who's my, as I said, my co-founder and was a really old friend of mine. I'd known him since I was 12 or something. Um, and he, he got very into yoga, sort of very surprisingly, out of nowhere. Neither of us had any interest in yoga at all. He got very into it, bullied me to do it. I had no interest in it whatsoever. Thought it was kind of creepy, kind of weird, kind of culty, you know, just not on my radar whatsoever. And then uh, but the penny kind of dropped and I kind of enjoyed it a little bit and then got more and more into it. Got kind of the physicality and then began to, you know, it began to become a bigger part of my life, basically. And then from there, we sort of sat down and said, commercially there's a really interesting opportunity here because at the time in 2012 2000 yeah it would have been 2012 i guess there was really no one doing anything 
kind of interesting in the yoga space. People were basically running yoga classes in yoga studios, and mm. that was fine. Um, but we sort of thought there was an opportunity to take this to the next level and build a genuinely, you know, a fantastic global yoga brand, basically, for the first time. Kind of to innovate in that space and bring something entrepreneurial to it as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at the time, and even now, really, it was this incredibly, incredibly, um, you know, uh, like scattered market that was very fragmented, thousands and thousands of independent operators, but no one had done anything at scale and no one had really done any anything innovative. Hot yoga existed, and I guess that was the biggest kind of innovation there'd been in thousands of years that yoga had been around and we sort of said you should be able to create a really quality concept that does elevate yoga that takes it to kind of to the next level that managed to reach a larger audience of people and also build a brand because brands build reassurance and allow you to reach into a market of people who otherwise might not have been interested and so that right from the start was what we wanted to do um, and what we kind of set about doing. And then how did you take that idea into reality? So what were some of the practical steps you took to actually launch the business? So it happened pretty quickly, to be honest, and that's always something I kind of advocate generally, is like just getting it done. And right from the start, we said we don't want to try and perfect this before we start. We said we want to you know, spend some a bit of time working out whether it's something worth leaving our jobs for, working out whether it's life, you know, something worth putting our, our, you know, our life into and our, our money into. Um, and and we came up with the, the the crux of the idea, which was creating this beautiful immersive space that was going to be an inflatable studio, um, and and we so we had the you know the sort of crux of the concept, and then just said let's just do it, and so we you know we built our first pod, and we just put it out there, and we ran some classes in I said January two thousand and thirteen. We initially started doing pop-ups in, you know, small like village halls, like sports centery kind of things, just to kind of test the concept, test the case, um, and then grew it from there. And so, you know, it did. You know, it snowballed pretty quickly. I think we launched in, I said, January two thousand and thirteen. Good thing about January is the whole world's talking about health and well-being and fitness, and and they were. And we had a new, exciting concept, and there wasn't particularly then that many new exciting concepts yeah. in the in the sort of fitness and well-being space and it just you know it just it it captured some kind of excitement and we had a lot of press and it kind of snowballed from there and so we then you know ran our own classes more and more we launched our franchise business um, and then launched our own studios around london and kind of just grew essentially organically from there did you raise investment for the first launch no no initially we didn't we did it with our own capital our own minuscule amount of capital um, and did that for the first nine months or so and then we raised a little bit of money after about nine months mm. it's, I suppose it's good in a way because you do it on a shoestring you get yeah. you know grassroots and stuff like that yeah you definitely learn I think there's no doubt at all like I think it would be it would be a very it probably would have been a very different business if you done it with a pile of capital to start with I mm -hmm. think it does teach you to be really lean I think it teaches you to be smart and make the right decisions it probably hampers growth and it probably you know there are there are downsides to it but it definitely I, I look at it over or on balance as a positive I would say and something that I was you know, I think I'm glad we did it the way we did it yeah definitely um on in terms of yoga itself um what are some of the kind of simple like mental benefits of yoga and one of the, why do you practice? For me, it's funny, like most people, a lot of people anyway, get into yoga for the physical. And what we see generally, and it was absolutely the case with me, is I kind of, particularly again, back in 2013 or so, 
awareness of mental health was much, much less than it was now. And, you know, people weren't really talking about it. It was very much the well-being world was very much focused on physical health. And I was very much the same that I, you know, I was aware of mental health, but I kind of you know, thought my well-being is really focused around my physical well-being. And so that was what got me into yoga. And I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the flexibility. I enjoyed the strength. I enjoyed all of the things that yoga brings to you physically. But then after a while, I began to see the mental benefits. And it was genuinely, it was one of those things that just, it wasn't like I was think you know, I sat down and thought, how is this making me feel better mentally? I just realized I was feeling better and you're feeling less stress and you're feeling like you have a clearer mind and you feel like you're sleeping better and you feel like you have a less busy mind. And, and it would genuinely, for me, was a completely organic thing. I just genuinely noticed those differences and thought, this is pretty powerful. This is, you know, genuinely quite interesting in a really simple way. You know, like yoga is a, a quite mystical, quite complicated thing for a lot of people. But actually, when you really boil it down to simple principles, ultimately, yoga is doing some physical postures and some breathing. And that acts as a meditation. Basically, you focus your mind for your period of, of, of time that you're doing yoga on your breath and the physical postures you're doing. And that acts as a meditation. And, you know, meditation more and more so is widely recognized as something that has a really significant impact on your mental well-being. And that's what yoga is. Mm. And so, you know, the, the lovely thing about it is you don't need to know that to feel those benefits. And that's what I had is I did yoga, felt great, and now I'm able to go back and say, well, now I understand why I feel great. I understand the physiology of it, but you don't need to. You can just do it, enjoy it and feel great. And that's a really nice thing that it doesn't need to be you know, mystical and it doesn't need to be complicated. It is just something that people enjoys and makes them feel better. Have you noticed more men practicing yoga in recent years? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, it's funny, obviously Nick and I are both guys and that's you know we've always therefore been gravitated in that direction to a degree we'd always said one of our aims was to get more guys into yoga when we started practicing it was very very female focused so we've always been quite focused on that and naturally as a brand that's meant that we've been hopefully very approachable and appealing to guys and that's been you know an important thing for us but I think there's also it's a natural you know direction of travel that guys are more getting more into it and I think that's come from sport I think it's come from the US where many more guys practice yoga than 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 they do in the UK and I do think as I said sport is a, is a big one for us and I think generally is that you get Ryan Giggs you get Andy Murray you get you know whatever it might be playing playing sports at a high level and doing yoga people begin to take it more seriously and people understand that it's not sitting around breathing. It is actually something that's, you know, physically exertive and and really, really great for you. And I think that's obviously clearly as, as true for guys as it is for girls. Yeah. And and we've certainly, yeah, I mean, it's something we've actually really overtly focused on and we've worked with, you know, with top tier rugby teams really consciously to say, actually, if top tier rugby teams and you know we work with someone like Owen Farrell does it and is a really passionate advocate of of what we do that's a pretty good signpost to anyone to say that's that's got to be seriously good for you because if the England rugby captain's you know doing it he's not going to be wasting his time and I think that's a really useful signpost in a way that has broadened its mm. broadened broadened its appeal to guys particularly. It's the same with veganism I think mm. is that it, all it took really was a couple of very high profile yeah. athletes and boxers saying yeah. I'm I'm vegan I'm plant based mm. and people kind of sat up yeah. and yeah. took and took notice and I think you do sometimes need those role models mm. to to guide the way. Mm. I think the funny thing with yoga is 
its rise in popularity has meant there's been such an explosion of different styles, different classes, mm -hmm. and that in itself I find kind of overwhelming. Yeah. And for me, has made it almost less popular in my life because when I go on to the I don't know the Tri Yoga website, sorry to mention another brand, but they have so many different class styles, and you think, oh god, I don't know what's right for me, and that can be quite intimidating. How do you kind of try and bring new people in at Hot Pod so they're not intimidated by the practice? I think it's a really important point. And I think, yeah, a lot of people look at it on the outside. And as I said before, A, they look at it as something that's just generally intimidating. It's inaccessible. It's, you know, it's confusing. It's mystical. It's, you know, like it's, it just, it's not naturally something that people engage with. And I think the huge complexity of it comes some of it because it's been around for a very long time and it has lots of different routes and lots of different approaches. And in a way, that's lovely. But for your average kind of consumer, that is really, really complicated. We've always looked at that and said it's one of the main reasons that you know, we always say we do one thing and we do it very well. And we offer vinyasa flow classes. We don't even really call them vinyasa flow classes because, again, if you don't know what vinyasa flow is and you've never done yoga before, that doesn't mean anything to you whatsoever. So we do hot pod yoga classes and we are trying to talk to an audience of people who've never done yoga before. And so when we talk about it, we talk about the attributes. We talk about, you know, stretching deeper, sweating harder, breathing deeper, making you feel great. And actually those are the things that draw people in. Whether it's Ashtanga or Yin or Vinyasa or Iyengar or whatever it might be, doesn't matter to most people. They want to come in, feel great afterwards, and that's it. And so, you know, that's really our focus, you know, rather than actually, you know, washing people too much with too much technicality, we actually try and really demystify it and make it something that's really straightforward and enjoyable for people. Because those labels are just kind of intimidating, aren't they? Or like for sure. Level one, level two, and you don't really yeah. know where you're at. And it can, yeah. it can be quite off-putting. Yeah, absolutely. Do, do you, is there anything that you can cite for the kind of explosion of yoga's popularity? So we mentioned about kind of rugby stars mm. doing it. Is there anything else like why you think it suddenly has become kind of so popular? I think I think it's a bit of a perfect storm in a way. Or yeah, I think that a if you think about you know the the world is getting healthier. People are getting there's more information. That's you know the internet has bought that. That's an amazing thing. So people are better informed. People generally are more aware of their health and well-being and are as I said getting healthier. That's only going in one direction and will continue to be the case. And so yoga in a way is riding on that wave. The good thing is it's been around for a very, very long time. And so you, no one's really arguing that yoga is a fad. No one's really arguing that it's not good for you. You know, it has real weight and credibility. And when people are naturally getting fitter and healthier and thinking more about their physical and mental well-being, yoga is quite a natural place to turn to because of that, because it's got this credibility. It's got this kind of weight behind it. But also I think it's a really balanced you know, activity. It's really good for you both mentally and physically. And I think particularly with increased awareness of mental health, that's, you know, that's very, very appealing for people. They're not just going and pounding weights. Mm. They're actually aware that this is something that can do both in kind of quite a simple way that doesn't involve, you know, complex machinery or, you know, anything too terrifying. It's something they can do in their own way in a non-competitive environment. And that's that's ultimately very, very open and very 
accessible ultimately to to everyone. Well, I think slowly the, we're starting to understand actually that things like hit classes or really intense cardio things are actually making us more stressed. And I yeah. think that is taking a while because I, I I think that especially like you know my my friends and stuff that that I think there's a belief that if you just sweat loads, mm. then you'll feel less stressed. Mm. And actually, everyone's suddenly realizing this stuff is perhaps making us a little bit mm. more stressed because it's releasing too much of the wrong kind of hormones. So yeah. something like yoga to slow us all down. It's sometimes the thing that you don't mm. want to do that you need to do the most, basically. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think I mean I think I think a key thing is that everyone's different. And for some people that is incredibly distressing. You know, smashing a punch bag can be something that's very, very th- therapeutic and cathartic. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to a you know a, a cycling class the other day and actually what I realized in it that it wasn't a million miles away from uh, a hot pod class because actually the thing that I'd done was physically exertive for sure but what it had really done is it had focused my mind on what I was doing and so for that 45 minutes I was in that class I had been taken away from the outside world and I'd been focusing on what I was doing and that's really what people engage with in mm. in our classes and really you know really value in our classes and so I think that high intensity stuff has a place and it can be absolutely fantastic for certain people but I think you're right I think both physically and mentally, people are recognizing more and more that you do need a bit of balance and that you can't just have, you know, a- aggression kind of thing and that actually you do need to counter that with something that that, that calms you. And that's why we find things like yin quite stressful because actually just lying on the ground and doing some basic stretches and holding things can be quite stressful because you're suddenly also with your thoughts and yeah. you're not used to having that space when you're not in a Barry's boot camp with yeah. like Ariana Grande playing mm-hmm. and it's, you know, you have to sit there in yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, again, that's the balance that we try and strike, which is it is calming. You know, we will have periods in the class that it is really slow and calming, but you'll also have extensive periods where you are really focused on the physical. And so that does focus your mind and it means that you're able to be taken away, but also it's not, you know, not a stressful environment kind of thing. Do you think there's been a shift in recent years with employer responsibility to the health and well-being of their employees because I know you do quite a lot of corporate work as well are you seeing a kind of change towards employers caring a lot more about how fit and healthy and happy their staff are it's difficult to say I think you know it's actually something we used to do when we first launched we were quite corporate focused we did quite a lot of corporate work we don't do as much anymore um, what we generally found in reality and it's not a very popular thing to say necessarily but a lot of businesses are talking a big game and not really doing a great deal when it really comes down to it. And so we found that a lot of people will stick on their annual report or their corporate responsibility report or on their own intranet system that they've got all these wonderful initiatives. But actually, when it comes down to it, you know, they probably give a discount to a gym or, you know, do a little something as a token gesture. Mm-hmm. There are more and more, of course, of forward thinking companies that are really taking it seriously and really recognizing the impact. But I do, I still fundamentally think that we, you know, we haven't really, we, it, it's not had a huge widespread impact, really. I think more lip service. Yeah, I think it's more lip service than anything else. I think, you know, I think the good thing is, is that there is general public awareness of it more and more. And that, you know, there is a reasonable argument to say, actually, it's, it's you know, as long as, companies are facilitate is you know companies aren't necessarily responsible for for facilitating it what's the important thing is that they're not stopping it and actually you know most people 
don't necessarily want to go to the gym in their office or go and you know have a meditation class in their office. They'd rather actually, if you've got a great studio around the corner from you or you want to go for a run around a park, it's your own initiative and you know you take your own initiative to do that. Mm. And so I you know I don't think it's you know it's not necessarily a bad thing that, corp- that big corporations and, and small businesses aren't necessarily piling into this and saying I'm going to do all of this for you because actually you know I think there's this funny thing about you know where where is the line you know actually you are an employer you're you're a business that's doing what you're doing keep your employees happy for sure and that's an absolutely important responsibility as an employer but actually there is a line and you know when people talk about having beds in offices so they can sleep there and you know it it sort of begins to blur the line about where life and work kind of begin and end and Mm. I think there's something there is some sensitivity to that I think I have have a friend who works in a company and they get an hour a week with a therapist as part Mm. of their um, a part of their job and I think it's great but I'm also like is that not a decision that you want to just take in your own time mm. there is an element of maybe overbearingness as well from companies where they're forcing you to take that boxing mm. class with all your colleagues and maybe yeah you want to be empowered to do it mm. and to be encouraged to do it but maybe in your mm. own time or in your own way yeah. as well is there anything that you've brought in in terms of the workplace culture at Hot Pod any kind of like shiny initiatives anything you've done to help boost employee happiness and satisfaction I mean, we have the advantage of, of of having a of having a yoga studio attached to our office, and so it's very clear that you know our physical and mental well-being of our employees is something that's innately we care about. We're never going to talk to people about it. If in a job interview with someone, I'm never going to shout about you know how there's an opportunity to do yoga. And so, you know, I my general view on on big shiny initiatives when it comes to these things are that quite often they are lip service. You know, they are they're you know almost put like like you know they're papering over the cracks kind of thing and actually really as a good really responsible employer what you should be doing is just making sure your employees are fundamentally happy in their jobs and actually really enjoying what they're doing and feeling valued and and you know enjoying their work every day and actually for me that's more important than saying oh look I've got you a you know an I watch so that you can, you know, monitor your steps or I've got you a 20% discount off the Virgin Active around the corner. For me, it's like those are the things that an employee can take initiative and do themselves. You as an employer have a bigger responsibility, which is, you know, really look after people in a meaningful way and really make them feel part of something and feel valued. And I would always say, you know, focus on those real fundamental building blocks before you focus too much on having a, you know, beanbags and a table tennis table kind of thing. And I think that, that too many people do the opposite and they have some fun, wacky initiatives um, and, you know, some nice things that momentarily make people feel better. But actually, you're, they're, they're, that almost in, in, you know, immediately makes them less focused on the actually more fundamental and important things. The actual work. Well, I think yeah. it's quite a generational thing as well, is mm. that we think that millennials and Gen Z want these things like these perks and mm. the, the ping pong table. And actually, mm. I think what they want is to feel purposeful and empowered mm. and fulfilled by their work. Yeah. Do you do anything formally? So you said that you want to make sure that everyone's happy and enjoying mm. the work. Um, do you have anything formal in place to, to check how happy they are in the job? Yeah, I mean, like, it's something you grow into, like, processes. And it's something, you know, when you when we first started employing people, inevitably you just, it's mayhem. And you just have, a, your first employee is like, you have no idea what you're doing. And you just kind of, half the things that you were doing, you say, could you do them, please? And that's your HR policy. And then, when you know, we've gone from, in the last 12 months, we've gone from 
six people to 20 people. And that's a really big change. And when you realize you go through that transition, you can't just rely on that close relationship between you as founders and the people around you. When you're a very small team, it is, you know, it's it, it's kind of great that you can do it in a way of just like, we're all in a little team together. We're all looking after each other. We're all just getting involved, mucking in. Hopefully everyone feels valued because everyone is really close. As your company grows, you do have to introduce more policy, more formality, more processes to ensure that actually things don't slip through the crack and mm. things people that actually really are feeling happy in their job, feeling that they're developing, feeling that they're inspired, feeling that they are valued. And so, yeah, we will, of course, you know, we make sure that there are really simple HR things, like really clear reporting lines, really clear strategies, you know, clear clear responsibilities for people, clear ownership of, of areas of their of their job and, and clear, you know, empowerment to make their own decisions. And for me, those are the most important things. And a close relationship between, you know, us as founders of the business and everyone in the company. And then also close relationships between, you know, people in the company and people who they report to. And they should always feel like they should have that close connection and should be able to communicate very, very clearly with people so that everyone genuinely knows how each other is feeling. There's no you know, smoke and mirrors and there's no complications or confusions. If someone's not having a nice time, they need to feel really, really free to be able to speak to relevant people to say, I'm not having a nice time. Can we sort this out? And that for me is, that's kind of good HR to ensure that actually people are you know, able to feel really genuinely happy in their work. And if they're not, are able very, very quickly to be able to talk about it and work out why and then be able to get a plan to ensure that they are happy in their work as, as soon as possible. I suppose it's about creating a nurturing enough environment that they feel that they can come and speak up and, and feel confident in that. What about creating like an inspiring workplace? Do you think inspiration comes down to perhaps like shared vision and goals? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, one of the huge advantages you have of being a small, fast growing business is that you you really can't not even you can like everyone in the company is really a part of something you know they really are a part of something exciting that is changing and developing and making an impact so every individual is making an impact and then the business itself is making an impact and it's one of the perils of being a very very large business is that it's hard to persuade someone if you're a tiny tiny cog in a very massive machine it's very hard to persuade someone that they're really making an impact and that they're really a part of something that they own kind of thing that they are you know really a part of and and you know we have the advantage in a way of being a small business that everyone really is an an absolutely essential part of the business and it they really matter and for me that's got to be the most important thing in someone's job is that they can create value and that they feel valued mm. and and actually being you know being a part of something is more than anything else probably what people want and and that's i think that that's pretty inspiring in itself i would say i think the other thing you, you that's that's useful and you know that's inspiring is that when you're a fast growing business the business changes perpetually like it can't stop changing and so actually everyone's job every 12 months is fundamentally different than it was 12 months ago mm. 3 months ago you know because the business is growing fast and so that means that people are you know should never be getting bored and is constantly inspired by that progress 
I think there is a risk, and I'm conscious of this, is that sometimes that can become too insular and you become inward looking and you just are focused on your own business and its growth. And I think the, there is a real risk with small businesses when you, when everyone is stretched and everyone is working hard and they are so sort of in their zone. I think there is a risk that people don't take a step back and look out and meet other businesses, talk to other like-minded people, reflect on what they're doing, you know, reflect on their own job, reflect on the company. And that's something, you know, I think I've been guilty of, I think most people in our company are guilty of, mm. but it's something we're aware of. So really try and stop and actually say, do spend some time that, you know, reflecting, do spend some time meeting other people because other people are inspirational too. You can't just yeah. look for your inspiration internally. And knowing where your industry is going as well yeah. and those trends and keeping mm. on top of that. And I suppose for me, like finding other people that were doing something similar has been really inspiring because they have so many of the same problems and yeah. it can, I can often feel disconnected from people who are perhaps in a nine to five because they don't understand the problems that I have. And mm. so that can also be quite supportive yeah. as well. Can you tell me quickly about the franchise model? How mm. do you... Um, how do you maintain those relationships with your franchisees? Um, how do you communicate and how do you kind of keep them motivated as well? So one of the really nice things about our business model with franchisees is that it's quite unusual. So most franchise businesses have a relationship really where you know their, their model, literally their financial model is set up so they pay a big upfront fee. The, the franchisor, so us, would be happy with that. And then they sort of sail them off and say, see you later, I hope everything goes well. Ours is the inverse of that. We basically take very little upfront. Our sort of buy-in from franchisees is relatively low upfront, and that's to make it accessible for yoga instructors and affordable for yoga instructors who are the core of our franchisees. And as a result of that, our fees from them, our royalty share, is relatively high. That works really, really well because it means that we are really, really close to our franchisees. We work very, very closely with them and you know, we their success is our success completely and utterly. And so we've got this, I think, really nice franchise culture where the franchisees rely on us and in a in a really healthy, really good way. And so we are genuine kind of business partners to them. And we work our asses off to ensure we are earning the 20% of royalties that we take from them. And that's a big responsibility. And we're really open about that. It's a huge amount that we take from them. And we need to justify that. And we work our asses off mm -hmm. to ensure we are really, really adding that value. And so as a result, every franchisee has a really close relationship with the team at HQ and with their franchise, the main franchise manager, they'll usually have one point of contact. And because ultimately we are all trying to grow the same business, you know, it is one business, we've chosen to have a franchise model, which means that there's independence. And so they're all running their own businesses independently. But ultimately, we're all doing the same thing. and We're all growing the same brand. And so we're all pulling, we should all be pulling in the same direction and, and trying to achieve the same things. So it's a, I suppose it's an extension of the same what we've been talking about, about empowerment, is that they feel empowered but also feeling supported. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the, again, the beauty of a franchise model is they not it's not lip service they are literally you know empowered they are it's their own business mm. and so if they work really hard and do a great job they will make a fantastic living and it's it's on it's on them to do that and that's a really empowering thing and that is the crux of the model what are some of the big challenges of global like i mean brexit but um any like any big challenges of running a global business yeah i mean i think it's funny we the the obvious you know the obvious thing is that not every market is exactly the same and the core of what a franchise offers is you we learn we learn how to do it perfectly you 
you can then do it perfectly in another place, in another town, in another city. Largely across the UK, we find that pretty much everything, actually the lessons we learn are applicable across the board. The, the obvious thing is that not everything is completely applicable internationally. Interestingly, we found, you know, we've got presence in South Africa, we've got presence across Europe in various different countries. We've actually found that more often than not, the, the same principles apply, the same lessons apply. There are small nuanced differences, but then you have local partners who are flagging those differences and they're aware of those differences. And so that really helps because you're not a British business trying to just operate in whatever, Vienna, Berlin, Bucharest. You know, you have a local partner who's doing that with you, basically. And so actually, you know, to be honest, I don't, I don't think there's a, you know, there aren't huge challenges that are particularly different from elsewhere. The one thing I say that is different is that the minute you become an international business, your brand is stretched. And in the UK, we've built a really strong brand and a good level of awareness. Whereas the minute you enter a new market, you're starting again from scratch. Because really brands, unless they are super brands, they don't really translate immediately internationally. Mm -hmm. So how many people in you know, Austria know who we are, not that many. And so that is definitely a challenge is that you are, you're kind of starting your brand building and your awareness from, from scratch yeah, when you enter a new market. Yeah, starting from scratch again, yeah. definitely. How do you personally de-stress? So there's, it just sounds like you have so much going on. There's the franchises, there's running a team, there's probably having to get a new office, all these things. What, what do you f do for yourself on a personal level apart from hot pod yoga um, to de-stress? So I've always been like, you know, we've, I think I've always worked very hard. There's no doubt at all. And, you know, I think they've definitely gone through stages of not looking after myself in the way I should. And I think that's the case with you know any entrepreneur as you go through a stage where there just aren't enough hours in the day. And what do you do? It just means you work longer hours. And you soon learn that that's not sustainable. We've been doing what we're doing for seven years now. You can't do that for seven years. So you get to a point where you realize it's just not healthy and not sensible. The big thing that's actually been a really big help for me is having a child because it means that you you don't have a choice. You know, if you unless you're really planning on being an incredibly bad parent, you you know, you you want to spend time with your child. When you are spending time with your child, that is so absorbing. You know, it takes you away from it completely and utterly, from your work completely and utterly. And so I find actually when I get home in the evening or, you know, if I'm at weekends, it's just a million miles away from from my work. And that's such an absorbing thing. And that's definitely had the biggest impact for me for sure. But I think generally that I think that separation of of being able to genuinely switch off and feel comfortable that actually, you know, your work is done, even if it's never done, and being able to enjoy things outside of it is a really important thing. You're definitely not the first founder who's told that told that to me about having a child. I need to get more original. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 not at all. But I, yeah, so yeah. Like, everyone should have kids, basically. That's exactly, that's the key thing. <laughs> I did an interview group the other day and they all said, oh, yes, my child, my child. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. It's key. Put that on the list. Yeah. Um, th Max, thank you so much for coming to Absolute chat to pleasure. me. If people would like to find out more about Hot Pod Yoga, where should they go online? Hotpodyoga.com. Good place to start. There you go. Nice things in Hot Pod Yoga on all social media channels. Yes. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming, Max. Ple Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Thank you. listening to this week's episode of Work Happy. If you're looking to work happier, book your free week at any work-life space at work.life forward slash free trial. Thanks for listening and don't forget to share, subscribe, rate and review. We'll see you next time and until then, work happy. Candy Store production for Work Life, hosted by Angelica Malin and produced by Van Connor. T-shirt weather by Poddington Bear appears under Creative Commons 3.0 with podcast recording facilities in partnership with Work Life. Visit work.life for more information and you can find us at candystoreproductions.co.uk. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.